We're holding in the Merah. In the first mission still, when he gets to having explained to us the progression of the transmission of Torah from Moshe to Yeshua to the Skem to the Nevim, and eventually to Ashkenaz Sagadayla. And here there's going to be a change. All the levels are told now, the Maral taught us is Musarua, Musarua, Musarua. We are focusing on the teach, teaching, and therefore, as you said in the previous year, if we're talking about from the teacher's perspective, he can teach whatever he knows. Which means we're talking about a stage where the transmission of Torah was complete. The teacher transmitted what he knew to his Talmud. Whereas comes Ayesha and it's no longer going to be the case. From now on, it's the Talmud was Makabu. Which means we're focusing on whatever the Talmud knew he, re- he received from his teacher. And it's obvious that there's a tremendous difference by saying that a person taught whatever they knew or saying whatever a person knew he learned. And the Antichrist themselves were at the beginning of the stage of what we call the, the fall, the decline from one level to the next, the Eridus Adarus. Because like the Maral explained to us, whereas before that the Nevi'im, each Navi received as an individual from the Navi before them. Each, was a, each one was on the stature as an individual to be a link in the tra- chain of the transmission of the Torah. When it comes to Antichrist Adarus, so they only received as a Rabbim, as a group together. They were no longer on the level to receive the entire Torah as a Yachid. And therefore, the Maral is now going to explain to us the advice that they give us. And it wasn't just random advice because that's the case. There was many things they could have taught us. There were many things they knew. Like the Maral says, why do they say these three things specifically? What, came, what brought them Dafka to talk about these things? Because it wasn't the only thing they could teach us. People as great as they were. They could have taught us everything. So if we're going to distill the lesson of the Antichrist to three things, why were these the three things chosen? And the Maral tells us the principle. The Antichrist Agadola could see that the level of people's knowledge was starting to decrease. They didn't have the same level of Chochmah as previously. And therefore, the Antichrist Agadola had to step in to give advice to a door which was getting weaker. And he gives the marshal. If a doctor would see a certain organ in a person's body is getting weaker, he makes a specific remedy for that organ. So that that way the medication or the treatment is going to replace what's naturally missing. And therefore, the Antichrist saw that the beginning of the slides 
of the level of Chachmah that the Jewish people possessed. So they came to give the trufa, to give the remedy, so to speak, which would make good that chisar. And they saw three different areas where a lack and the level of scholarship, of knowledge, was going to affect. So they focused on all three. The one regards judgment, Mishpat. The second one is regarding Torah scholarship. And the third one is regarding what how a person acts. It's necessary to have all three. There has to be a system of Torah study. There's a system of a judicial system, which is the courts. And then there's the way people act, which applies to everybody. And that's what he says. It's not that the Mishpat is just a one branch of Torah it's not included in Torah per se why? what's the difference? not that the Mishpatim don't, aren't sourced in the Torah a person's Maisim and what he has to do is also sourced in the Torah what he's going to talk about is it needs a different function of a person's mind to you, for all three and he explains to us, When it comes to Mishpatim, a person has to understand the Sharish of the Din, the basis of where the Din comes in the Torah, not to make a mistake in judgment. That depends on a person's understanding and his heart. Until he comes to the Oymek, to the depth of the clarity of the Din, that's not from a more of an analysis or understanding of the Divrei Torah. Why? That comes from the Svaras Halev of a person even if it's not written in the Torah. Now what he means is like this. As we know, there's a principle of what it means to Paschal Halach. So let's start with a, with a question. There's a din in the Gemara and it's passed in the Shulchan Aruch that a person is not allowed to issue halachic rulings in a place where there's a teacher or in a place where there's a more senior, more experienced Tamil Chacham. It's called Mara Harab if and it's a very serious Avera. Now, if that's the case, so we have a problem. Every time a lady asks her husband, um, I put the milk knife into the meat pot, whatever it's going to be. Is it kosher? Is it treif? He has to call and ask the rav. Every time someone has a shire in the family, is this mukt or not? He has to call and ask the rav. Uh, how can he say halach? It's bifnei rabbi. There's a there's an official rav in the town. His own teacher lives there. Can you imagine how inundated the god ladar would be if every single shire like that made its way to his to his attention? That's obviously not the case. So what does it refer to? So the poets can say that being Moirei Hara doesn't mean quoting what's already been paskened and is before If a person can open up a Shulchan Aruch, a Mishnah Burah, 
Shmir Shavas Kulchas, whatever other safe one has, and just read what's already been paskant, that's not called being Mere Hara Bithmerabu. That's called looking up a Hara, which already exists. And therefore, if somebody would ask, uh, uh, is this also a Mutza? And I opened the Shulchan Aruch, and the Shulchan Aruch mentioned it already. And he said it's Mutza. I wasn't Mere Hara. I just showed him what the Shulchan Aruch paskant. And if it's the Mishnah Burash, I don't want the Mishnah Burra paskant. So where's the area of being Mere Hara? Of giving halachic rulings, which is also in front of a rav, only when it comes to a case which hasn't yet been paskant. The circumstances or the factors are different to what's brought down. And now, it requires the person to be able to make the comparison. And the person to decide, is this more comparable to the first case in the Shulchan Aruch? Maybe it's more comparable to the case in the Pesachet Shuvah. Is this more comparable to a case which is Mutzah or is it more comparable to a case which is Asi? And if that's the case, now a person, Misvara Salev, has to come to building the connection to an existing principle in Halacha and using that to base a new ruling on, that needs the senior, so to speak, Tamil Chacham, the senior person to decide. Because that's not solely on knowledge of what's been passed. That needs Asfara Salev, so to speak, the ability to, 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 to think about and clarify what the halacha is on a new ruling. And therefore the understanding and the assumption is that the greater Talmud Chacham, the more experienced Rav, will be the one who's better able to do that. And therefore it's also to take that privilege away from him and be Mayra Harav if Nerabi. And that's what he means here also by the Mishpat. When it comes to judging a case, so then the Dayanim have to use that concept of Sfara Salev, which means their understanding of the situation to know how to apply what's brought in the Shulchan Aruch to the given case that they're discussing. And for that, the more a person has Sfara Salev, the more a person has that clarity in comparison, in contrast of different cases, the more they're able to come to a clearer ruling at this case this is going to be the halakha. And if the dairists are going to lose their level, and we're talking now about the level of clarity of Swara Salev, then it's going to be more difficult for them to be able to make the correct comparison from the sources that we have to the given case in front of them. The second point, it says, Vidavata Enabikhadivator. That's not part of what, knowing what the Torah said. That's more applying what the Torah said. It's a different chalik of a person's cognitive ability. And that's what he says. What's brought in the Torah, what's passed in the Shulchan Aruch and Mishpat, as principles in, case, in many cases, that's the, that's the Ikra Din, that's the principle. I will call Not every eventuality of a people could argue about is brought in the Torah. And therefore it's the province of the Dayanim to be able to compare the cases they're given to the principles which are written in the Torah. That's the first category. The second category is for the people who are learning Torah, and that is to understand the Torah better, more fully. And then it depends on a person's ability to understand, to clarify, to remember. 
and then the lack of level of understanding would affect the lone better as well. They wouldn't know as much, they wouldn't know as clearly. That's the second category of people to get affected if the level of knowledge is going to go down. And the third category, when it comes to those people who they don't come to be over surim when it comes to practical mitzvahs. This is a practical thing. But that is, if people aren't clear enough on what the exact parameters of the halacha are, so then they're going to make mistakes. Because they won't realize, Bishas Naisa, what's asr and what's mutter. And therefore, since in the world, poultry and meat are often interchangeable, if the halacha would be that one is allowed, minatara, to have milk and chicken together, and the, the isra minatara is only milk and meat, the Kazakh says, which means you're talking about an animal who has mother's milk, as opposed to a bird which is hatched from an egg and doesn't have a mother's milk. So then there will be often cases of confusion. Confusion if something's meat or poultry, confusion what the halacha is different between them. And therefore, Chazal saw that a third area which a lack of knowledge would affect is people's kimamitis. They would be over certain without realizing it either without enough attention to what they were doing, or because they weren't clear enough on what the halacha really was. Similarly, he gives the example of Shneas Larayas, which are relatives of second-degree relatives. The difference between a first-degree relative and a second-degree relative isn't as clearly defined, and therefore people are going to make mistakes. Same thing, other barriers that Chazal connected, correct, enacted in order to help people keep the Torah. We find these Takhanas only from the time of the Anshul And why was it necessary then? The Anshul were the ones who gave us most of the Takhanas of the Chazal. Why was it necessary then? Because they realized that the lack in people's level was going to cause mistakes. And therefore, they had to prevent that and preempt that making a siyog, by making a barrier. And to give a simple mashallah for this, if a person's going down the track which is very clearly marked, it's not so likely that he's going to wander off the track and veer into the forest. But if the track is not so clearly marked, it's very blurred, then it's much more likely a person's going to wander off the edge. And if there's a minefield and we want to prevent people straying from the path, then we're going to have to build a wall around the track. And that way there's something to prevent them from veering from their path, even if it's not clearly marked. And that's the concept of Rabbanu, of the Rabbanu. And that is, when it came to a stage where they saw that people weren't so clear what exactly the Allah was, and therefore, because the definitions were more blurred to them, there was more likely to make mistakes, so Chazal had to enact barriers in order to prevent those mistakes happening. Now, one more point you have to know, and that is, Chazal had in mind, when they made the barriers, not one individual, the entire Kali Yisrael. And therefore, even if a lot of Takhanas Chazal seem to us to be superfluous, because we don't think, like, why in the world would we need that barrier? We're not going to make that mistake. The answer is, perhaps you won't. But is there somebody who will? 
Because if we're looking now to enact rules which are going to prevent the entire Kaleishwar from making mistakes, we have to take into account mistakes that anybody in Kaleishwar could possibly make. So for example, for example, there's a Gemara in Psachim. It says, Chazam al-Takana, that a person is not allowed to make decorated matzahs on Pesach. They call it a kick and stricken. A person can't make decorated matzahs on Pesach. Why? Because if a person just rolls out the dough thinly and throws it in the oven, then it'll be done very quickly. There's no chashash of becoming chametz. If a person wants to decorate the matzahs, cut it into a certain shape, uh, fashion it in a certain form, then it takes time and it takes care how he's going to shape the matzah. And he wants to make a, mit- a seed of mitzrayim, so he's going to make matzah in the shape of a pyramid, or in the shape of a sphinx, or whatever it's going to be. And Chazal were concerned that the matzah, during the amount of time that it would take people to decorate their matzahs, the matzahs would become chametz. And therefore, they forbade the decorating matzahs in Pesach. The Gemara says in Psachim that there was a certain baker, his name was Zunin, and he came to Chazal to complain about this Takana. And he said he has molds, and he can decorate matzahs in a second. He'll just press the mold into the dough, and he has the shake. So it won't take more than a second longer than the regular matzah. And his matzah definitely wouldn't be chametz. And if that's the case, why wouldn't he be allowed to do that? And the uh, Chazal's answer to him was, so what, we should make a takana that everybody can't use malls except for you? Yomu that everybody's rakikin of Asr and the rakikin of Zunin Amutah, it doesn't make sense. We can't make a takana that only applies to people who have the problem. No one thinks they have the problem. And therefore the takana has to be universal. And the point of the takana being universal is that that way it's going to prevent everybody from doing that there. So therefore, when Chazal saw that the level across the board of knowledge was starting to recede, so they had to make a takana to help every level within the society. Okay, now it's Tikkun Hadin. We're talking about the leaders of the society, the Dayanim, the Gdolim. So the advice for them was on having Muslim Bedin. Take time before you render before you render a halachic ruling. Why? Because when one gives oneself more time, when one's more able to think through other possibilities. Maybe the first impression wasn't the most accurate. Maybe the comparison you want to draw isn't really the same thing. Maybe there's a big difference between them. And therefore, we can't tell them to learn the halacha. We're talking about people who know the halacha. But the question is, how are we going to compare? How are we going to contrast? The case we're dealing with with the So the answer that gave, Chazal gave was Bisunim. Take your time. Don't be too quick to real judgments. Because if we give a person more time, so then it's more likely he'll be able to see a second side as well. He'll be able to come to a second viewpoint, which might be the more accurate one. And then there's less likely to be mistakes in the din. Now, the question is, there's logical advice. If a person has to think something through, and given more time, they would probably come to a clearer understanding or a clearer interpretation. What happened before that verse, Agadola? In other words, were people more confident that their first reaction was more correct? 
So of course there was a concept of not to judge too quickly before a person is sure then to. But the mashmas that they have misunim within was even after a person feels he's clarified the sugi properly, there's still room to go back and think it through another time. Now, for example, what I'm trying to say, the mission Sanhedrin describes to us how Sanhedrin would paskin on a capital case. And the mission says that originally all 23 judges who make up the Sanhedrin for capital cases would be sitting, they would hear the evidence, they would cross-examine the witnesses, they would be privy to all the facts, and then each judge retires, so to speak, to his own chamber to analyze the case and arrive at a lucky conclusion. Is he guilty? Is he considered innocent? And he has to prove it. I've arrived from a Tosefta, from a Rambam, the Duke in the Gemara, or a Tosefus, whatever it's going to be. And thereafter, the judges all regather. And each one in turn, starting from the youngest, presents his ruling to the critical audience of the other 22 judges. Judges have all also just been learning up the, the, the halakha, which is relevant. Judges also have had to come to their own, uh, their own ruling on the case. And therefore... Obviously, if a, if a fellow judge would offer a differing ruling with a different source or a different reference, of course, it's going to get challenged. Of course, there's going to be a discussion about it. And each judge, in turn, would present his sack on the situation and would obviously that invites the criticism or the objections or the disproofs of all the other judges on the bench and he'd have to try and defend himself. That would already be a very good process of clarification. And then again, working with the principle of Anshakhnesa and that is that no one individual necessarily is able to have that level that he can decide on his own. Like the mission says, Don't be a single judge. The very process that so many other equally qualified, experienced Dayanim would have to analyze and criticize and debate the psak of any of their colleagues, that itself would provide for a refinement of the halakha. That itself would provide for, uh, so to speak, a very good system of ruling out swaras or ideas which weren't properly proved, which weren't properly grounded. But we're not done there. Even after the cases have been have been fought out and argued about, and at the end of that day's court sitting, each judge was presented with all the arguments for and against. The court stenographers would write down all the arguments for acquittal, all the arguments for conviction, and give a, a copy to each of the dayani. And the entire night following, the judge would have an opportunity to review the sugi again, to review all the arguments which have been brought up in the basin, both, both those favoring acquittal and those favoring conviction, 
and re- rethink the whole situation. Work through all the arguments a second time. And on the second day, he would return to the courtroom as all the judges, and they would have to issue a second ruling. Having considered all the different perspectives, all the different sides to the story, they would give a ruling a second time. And now, hopefully, having heard all the various points of view and having had to determine which one actually makes the most sense, which one has the strongest proof, so a judge would be able to change his opinion. And say, yesterday I held like this, but I'm reviewing the situation. I've now changed my mind. That's Musunim Badin. And then again, we're not talking about people who don't know the halacha. We're talking about people who are using the halacha they know in order to develop a new psak. The best advice that the Anshakan could give to the Dayanim was Hevei Musunim. Give yourself time. Think it through a second time. Make sure you've considered all the possibilities. Because what immediately comes to mind is being a logical connection. On closer analysis, on further thought, might not be such a good proof. And this is the second point. And that is, he says, in the place of where one person was able to understand and remember and be a baki, an expert in all areas of Torah, when that's no longer possible, so the, result, the solution is, I mean, the Talmudim Harbi. Have lots of Talmudim. Because that way, the give and take in the base Medrash will raise the objections, will bring up the points, which maybe previously one experienced Talmud Chacham could have on his own, but now the, the multiple, so to speak, the numerous Talmudim will make up for that. So I mean, when it comes to specializing in Torah, Whereas perhaps pre Darius of the Nevi'im or beforehand, there would be one person who was, like we talk about the Isha Ishkoilis, the people who were Bekim, who were experts in every field of Torah, as the generations begin to recede, that's going to be less likely. And therefore many Talmudim means one person will specialize in Kochim, one person will specialize in Halakha, one person will specialize in Musa, one person will specialize in Kabbalah, and one person in another field of Torah, whatever it might be, that may be. And therefore, having many Talmudim will compensate for the lack of level of any individual Talmud. And what we saw previously, to prevent the entire population from being over-averous, that's a Chachamim built a Siyag, built boundaries for the Torah. And we refer to all three parts of society. We refer to the three levels within the, the society. We refer to the G'daylim, the judges, the leaders, the Poiskim, who, even though in this star they'll be the leaders, but are on a level less than the leaders of previous days. And we gave them advice for them as Poiskim. The people learning Torah, who even though they're also spending their time learning, but the level of erudition of scholarship will also be less than previous terrorists. And that was our advice for them. And the Shlishi all other people who, also their level of Kiyama Mitzvahs is also going to go down. The Din, like we said before, to come to a clear halachic ruling, 
needs a lot of Chachmah, even Chachmah Gdaidim need to perfect themselves in that. And no one is assumed to be a Chachmah that has everything in the Din. And that therefore even the Gdaidim who are on a high level, when it comes to making sure that their Pesachim are correct, so we need to give them advice. When we're talking about knowing Torah, so we're talking about not the Chacham who already know the whole Torah, and the question is just how they're going to contrast it to new cases or how they're going to apply it. When it comes to the learning the Torah, we're talking about the people who are still trying to learn. That's what's going to clarify the Torah. The fact that there are more people working on it and clarifying it and learning it and specializing it. And therefore, this chisarim is going to affect every single level within the Jewish society. All three, the great people, the Talmudim and the regular people, they came to fix that chisarim with their advice. Each one's what they needed. The advice for them was be deliberate, don't judge too quickly. And for the chisarin of those people learning Torah, the advice was the more Talmudim there are, the more it's going to compensate for the lack of each one's level. The, the amount of people will make sure that they still manage to aim it, they manage to focus on all the different aspects of the Sugi, and then the Gemara says, that from one's friends and one's student will learn more, there's more of an uh, elaboration of Torah. Even if each person is less on the level, the, the Ribu makes up for that. A Talmud Chacham who knows what the parameters of Allah are are less needing of the G'darim to prevent them from doing a virus. The people who are not so clear on what exactly what Allah is are more likely to veer into the territory of Isser and that's why for them Chazal made the Takhanis. As we said previously, it was for them in mind. Obviously when Chazal made the Takhanis, it's binding on everybody. So those are the three members of the Ashkenaz which were specific to the Dar they lived in and came to, so to, as best as possible, make up for what was missing in the dark.